Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Maybe she wanted to be admired. Maybe she found a home that was just, you know, it's too dull at home. It's too boring in the house. I want a little excitement outside the house, outside this property here. But it says that in verse 1 that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. And, you know, she kind of like sort of, we think about a moth, you know, a moth that flies around a flame, you know, or a fish nibbling on a bait. Now, that's Dinah. Dinah had this curiosity about the world outside, and that was the curiosity that exposed her to danger. She caused her own fall by leaving her home. And when we read here that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land, we wonder, you know, did she just go out or did she, uh, did she just go out or did she ask permission to go out? She asked Leah, her mother Leah, she asked her mother Leah, can I go out? Or did she ask her father Jacob, can I go out? But one thing's for sure, Jacob is the head of that house. And so what we see here in Dinah going out there was a laxness on Jacob's part as far as keeping his family under control. We're going to see this a lot. You know, it just seems like Jacob has kind of like thrown his hands up and given up as far as taking control. As a matter of fact, this chapter is going to reveal to us how Jacob was not in authority over his house. But if Jacob knew that Dinah was wanting to go out to see the daughters of the land, Jacob should have said, no, no way. He knew about the practices of the ungodly Canaanites, the people who lived in Canaan there. He knew that his grandmother, Sarah, had been taken into Pharaoh's harem just because she was pretty. Yeah, Genesis 12, 15, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her, that would be Jacob's grandmother, and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he knew how God had rescued Sarah out of Pharaoh's harem in Genesis 12, 17, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. He knew that his grandmother, Sarah, was taken a second time into Abimelech's harem. As it says in Genesis 20, verse two, Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And Jacob knew how God, again, a second time, had rescued Sarah in Genesis 20, verse three. Genesis 20, verse three, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she is the man's wife. He knew his father, His father, Isaac, Jacob knew his father, Isaac, had endangered his very mother in this same way in potentially being taken into Abimelech's harem. And when it says in Genesis 26, 7, Genesis 26, 7, the men of the place asked him of his wife, that would be Jacob's mother. And she was pretty also. And he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife. 
Lust said he and the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. He knew the words of Abimelech when he spoke to his father about his mother. And Jacob knew what he said in Genesis 26.10. Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lion with thy wife, and thou shouldst brought guiltiness upon us. He knew the practice of those ungodly people in that land was to lightly have lion. Now, Jacob knew that for a man to take a woman and lie with her was no big deal. It was considered a light thing. It was a common everyday practice. Not at all like it is today, right? <laughs> when Jacob was in Sukkot, he was alone. But when he moved to the land of Canaan, he wasn't alone. Because it makes a very clear point, as we've seen in Genesis 33, 18. Jacob came to Shalom, the city of Shechem, which is the land of Canaan, which came from Padanaram, and pitched his tent before the city. He was right in front of the city. He pitched his tent by the city. He knew the practice of the people was to see a pretty girl and lie with a pretty girl. It was not a big deal. Bimlech had called it a light thing. So Jacob should have been protective over the women of his house and never allowed Dinah to go out and see the daughters in the land. So the problem is with Jacob also in not protecting Dinah. The problem's also with Dinah for not being happy to be at home. And it's interesting that when Titus describes how young women should be, he gives a list. And there's two parts which are sisters to each other. They're right next to each other on the list. He says in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, Titus, Titus 2, verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So that Titus puts on that list, chaste and keepers at home, right next to each other, like sisters. Chaste means clean. Chaste means modest. Being morally or sexually clean and modest and a keeper of home go together. I mean, how many marriages have been wrecked when the wife leaves the home, even to go out to work and falls under the attention and admiration of another man at work? Well, for Dinah, this was just a little going out, just a little going out of the home, no big deal, just a little venture out of the home. It's just like what Proverbs talks about, the letting out of water in Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is as one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Just a little going out to see the daughters of the land, like the letting out of water, but the letting out of water becomes a flood. And it's probably not the first time that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. It was like a little fire described in James 3, 5. Just a little fire. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. But probably when she went out the first time to see the daughters of the land, nothing bad happened. So just encouraged her. Well, I'll go out more and more to see the daughters of the land. Maybe for Jacob, he knew it was dangerous for Dinah to go out to see the daughters of the land, but nothing happened, so maybe he just let it go. We don't know. But in verse 2, we have a new person now who's introduced for us here in verse 2, and it says, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the country, he's identified as being a prince of the country. This is a man with power. This is a man who's the son of the ruler of the land. 
And with his position as prince, he feels he's got power. And now we read in verse two that Shechem saw her. And when it says that Shechem saw Dinah, it's the same word that's used in verse one when it says that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. So there's no mention in here that Shechem talked to Dinah or that he knew anything about her in this point, only that he saw her. See, Shechem's whole orientation towards Dinah is strictly based on what he saw. When it says that Shechem saw Dinah, and that's the same thing about when Rebecca would have been taken because she was fair to look upon. And same is said about Sarah. She was taken into Pharaoh's and also Abimelech because she was very, she, what they saw. So we see Shechem is a perfect example of all that's in the world. All that's in the world, the sum total of what's in the world today is described in 1 John 2.16, 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Shechem sees Dinah, and that's the lust of his eyes. Shechem desires to lie with Dinah, and that's the lust of the flesh. Shechem sees Dinah as a personal challenge and he, as the prince of the country, wants to conquer Dinah. That's the pride of life. And that's what we see in Shechem here as he looks at Dinah. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of his life. And that's all that's in the world. That's it. Nothing more. Just the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all described as not of the Father, but of the world. Now, when it says in verse 2 that Shechem saw Dinah, it says in verse 2 that Shechem saw Dinah, we ask the question, what did Shechem see when he saw Dinah? I know, maybe she was pretty, we don't know. So let's assume she's pretty. Okay, first he saw a young girl that was curious and willing to become adventurous, adventurous, willing to become adventurous to follow her curiosity. So Shechem saw Dinah's curiosity. That triggered lust in him. That triggered lust in him for her. Second, Shechem saw a girl who was not at home, but had ventured out of her home, that triggered lust in him. When Shechem saw that Dinah was not at home, Shechem saw that Dinah was not under the protection of her parents and her family. And so Shechem saw her as unprotected, that triggered lust. You know, sometimes I sit in the backyard there and, and I look up in the sky and it's a, and it's all clear, and then all of a sudden, there'll be this red-tailed hawk just way up in the air, circling around, you know, in the sky, riding the air currents in the sky, but his eyes are focused on the ground. And then a little rabbit family that lives, you know, in the bushes there, and so then a little rabbit, you know, will venture out from the bushes where his mother and family, you know, are not out there, but he'll venture out on the lawn to eat some grass, uh, and the hawk will see that young rabbit, and like a bullet, the hawk will come down and grab that little rabbit. Shechem was the hawk. Dinah was the young rabbit. And Shechem saw young Dinah, and she was no longer in the protection of her home. That trigger that stirred up his lust. And maybe Dinah wanted to be seen. We don't know, but she has no idea that she's being seen lustfully. See, she has no idea that she has lit the fires of lust in Shechem. You know, young girls today, they wear low-cut blouses, they wear short skirts because they know it brings them attentions from the guys. But they have no idea they're lighting fires of lust. And they have no idea they're provoking men. 
You know, girls want to be independent today and not live under the roof of their tyrannical parents, you know, and, and, and the authority of their parents. They have no idea when they move out, they're lighting the fires of lust and the hawks circling in the sky above them who are eyeing them. See, it wasn't enough for Dinah to only be aware of her own thoughts of wanting to see the daughters of the land. Dinah needed to be thinking of the thoughts of others who saw her lustfully. Girls today, they need to think of the thoughts of others who might see them lustfully by what they wear and where they go and how they're provoking lust in others. Now, if Shechem had gone to Jacob's tent and only saw Dinah at home, he never would have had all these lusts provoked to the point of wanting to lie with her. And if he fell in love with Dinah when she was at home, he, he wouldn't have fallen into this place of defiling her. In Anyway, he wouldn't have been able to. So without realizing it, Dinah's presence outside the home in Shechem's uh, turf, it gave encouragement to his ungodly lust to go after her. And so Dinah gave life to Shechem's evil hopes. And when girls, like I said, when they wear all these type of clothes and then seen by men, the uncontrolled lust, it breaks out in hope, evil hope. So when Shechem sees Dinah away from a home to see the daughters of the land, he sees an independent, free-spirited, maybe rebellious-spirited young girl, and he goes after her. So in Shechem, we see a man who was a slave to his own lusts, a man who saw himself in a powerful position as prince of the country who could get away with whatever he wanted to do. And in Dinah, we see a young girl who followed her heart. Very smart, Dinah, very smart. This was Dinah's march. This was Dinah's march to see. You know, Dinah, she came, she saw, she was conquered. So there's a great danger and curiosity in young people who've been raised in a Christian home, and they want to go see the world for themselves. And what better place to see the world than on a college campus? free from the overbearing domination of their parents. They're just curious. Dinah's just curious, that's all. Dinah was just curious to know the ways and the customs of the people that were so different from her, and that led her to her own ruin. And she should have not have wandered out. You know? And she should have respected the command to be separate from the idolatrous people and the habits, like it says about us in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. She should have realized 1 Corinthians, the principle of 1 Corinthians 15, 33, which is be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, the Shechemites to Jacob's family is the present world to the Christian. Just as it was dangerous for Dinah to follow her curiosity about the daughters of the land, it's dangerous for the Christian to follow his curiosity about, I wonder how that works with all those evil ways of the world. The devil says this to the Christian, you need to see life. That's the devil's uh, comment, see? It's a challenge. You need to see life, you know? It's like the Eve, you know? You, know, you never take a look at that fruit before, did you? Well, let me tell you about it. You need to see life. What he really means is, you need to taste death. But he doesn't say that. So at first, when Dinah goes out to see the daughters of the land, nothing bad happens. So her curious, her cautious spirit is blunted. And that increases her danger. At first, when a Christian goes to see what the world's all about, nothing bad happens. 
So his cautious spirit is blunted and danger increases. This is an account about a young girl's unwise curiosity and a young prince's lust that brought a lot of grief to Jacob. And children can bring a lot of grief to the godly parents, especially daughters. And it all starts with Shechem when he saw Dinah. When he saw her, his lust was just ignited, which is why it's so important to be very careful with the TV and movies. You know, it's like you look at, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. That was the downfall of Samson. That was his downfall. Two words describe the downfall of Samson. You see him in Judges 14.1, and you see it in Judges 16.1. Judges 14.1, and Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Judges 16.1, then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. So Samson's life, you want to say, what was Samson's problem? He saw women, it ignited his lust. Samson saw, it ignited his lust. Man, it's very important. Very important for us to guard what we see. Control our eyes. Job realized this. He said he made an agreement with his eyes. He's not going to look to ignite. He's not going to look to ignite. He says in Job 31.1, Job 31.1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? The way Shechem saw Dinah led him to lust after her beauty in his heart, exactly as described in Proverbs 6.25, Proverbs 6.25, lust not after her beauty in thine heart. The way Shechem saw Dinah, he had already done the sin with her in his heart before he did it, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ described it in Matthew 5.27, Matthew 5.27. You've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, in verse 2, we have a sequence of words, which is very important, because it describes the downfall in verse 2. And when Shechem saw the son of Hamar, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her, lay with her, defiled her. See, that's the sequence of the words that are described. The saw, took, lay, defiled. Saw, took, lay, defiled. Those words are given to us to show us that there were several opportunities in this process to stop and not go forward. He saw her. He could have made an agreement with his eyes at that point, like Job did, to not take the second look. The first look is not sin. The second look is sin. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop the bird from building a nest in your hair. And David's sin with Bathsheba, which is described in 2 Samuel 11.2, 2 Samuel 11.2, when it says that it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. See, there are two scenes which are described in that verse. David saw a woman washing herself. That was not the sin. The second scene, the woman was very beautiful to look upon. That was the sin. Let me check her out. Looking upon her, that was the second look. So when Shechem saw Dinah, that was his first opportunity to stop and not take the second look at her. But then it says about David in 2 Samuel 11, 
3, 2 Samuel 11, 3, David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, he lay with her. So there was a process also in the sin of David. David found out who she was. That was David's opportunity again to stop this whole process of sin. Then David took her. That was another opportunity for David to stop this whole process of sin. In the case of Shechem, it says in verse two that he took Dinah. There was this process of sin for Shechem. He probably took her to his house, but that was an opportunity for Shechem to stop this whole process of sin. From the fact that the brothers end up taking Dinah from Shechem's house, you know, maybe seven days later, it appears that Dinah never went home, but remained in his house for at least a week until her brothers took her out. The fact that she was in Shechem's house for at least a week, it's really not clear if Dinah was a captive in Shechem's house or if she chose to stay in Shechem's house until her brothers took her out. We don't know. But it could cause us to wonder if this really was a rape. We don't know. But Shechem did not stop at any of the opportunities he had in his course to defile her. Then came the consequences that always comes from sexual sin. Moral defilement, that dirty feeling inside that only God can cleanse away. He defiled both her and himself. It was not just that he defiled her, but he also defiled himself. That's how God describes adultery in terms of a mutual defilement in Leviticus 18.20. Leviticus 18.20, moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. Now, we read that Shechem had strong feelings for Dinah in verse three. The soul, his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel, and he spake kindly unto the damsel. That's a surprise. This is like, what? This is not a usual case here. This is not usually what happens in the case of a rape when a powerful man like a prince overpowers a girl as when Amnon, the son of David, overpowered his sister Tamar, daughter of David. And in that case, following the violation, there was a strong hatred, which is described in 2 Samuel 13, 15, 2 Samuel 13, 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, arise, be gone. But in this case, Shechem fell hopelessly in love with Dinah, and there was not anything that he wouldn't do for her. Shechem now treats her very nicely, as it says in verse three. He spake kindly unto the damsel. And when it says that Shechem spoke kindly unto the damsel, the Hebrew is saying here that he spoke to her heart. He spoke to her heart, so he was in the process of winning her heart. Maybe he did, I don't know. Again, when the Hebrew word for damsel is used here in verse three, we have to keep in mind, this could have mean that Dinah is as young as 12 years old. The land of Canaan, 12 years old. We're kind of getting close to pedophile. 12 years old. The land of Canaan had its Sodom and its Gomorrah and its Abimelech. It was a sex-crazed place. The land of Canaan was the playground for sex demons.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 